Welcome to Demanding Growth, a podcast from Annuitus where we have conversations about some of today's biggest challenges to growth. My name is Anna Claire Hayden. In today's episode, we're talking about change management. I'm joined by three of our own leaders to discuss what change means, why it's so hard, and how to successfully manage change within your own organization. Let's go around and introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Jessica Jones, Chief Growth Officer of Annuitus. My name is Jen Watson. I'm the Senior Director of Strategy at Annuitus. Hi, I'm Jennifer Harmel, COO here at Annuitus. Thanks to all of you for participating. Let's dive in. So when we're talking about convincing your colleagues to change, we're really talking about change management which I looked up the formal definition. It's defined as the discipline that guides how we prepare, equip, and support individuals to adopt change successfully. And it's a big industry. I Googled that term and got almost 4 billion results. It's a big, it's a big deal, and obviously people need a lot of help with it. And so my first question is, why is change so hard? Because it makes you uncomfortable. It makes everybody uncomfortable. They're required, they're required to do something outside of their comfort zone. It's something different. And I, I also think that it, it makes people in a certain capacity have to acknowledge that maybe they were doing something wrong. Absolutely. And that also adds to the uncomfort, the discomfort. I think also that people are just people, right? People are stubborn and, and, and they're creatures of habit. And change might also require you are probably typically does, requires you to work with people you're not used to working with. Or even, to take that even even further, um, actually confronting somebody that you might not have a great relationship with in the past to improve that. It's like sales and marketing, right? Long story history of not being aligned. A big part of change management is getting them aligned, completely, which is not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, I I think, um, first of all, you know, going into change that it's going to take a lot of effort, right? You know that you're going to be going uphill. <laughs> so if, especially for people who are in um, a situation where they've kind of been coasting and just getting by with the status quo, whatever that looks like in, inside of an organization, you know that this is going to shake everything up. And you're going to be climbing uphill to make that change happen. And it's going to be really hard and it's going to be a struggle. And you're going to have some fights along the way, you know, trying to get people to climb with you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think the first thing that you said, though, Jennifer, was it's uncomfortable. And that was the first thing that came to my mind, too. Do you feel like most people and most organizations are aware of all the things you just said, right? When they're starting to take on a large project, are they prepared for any of this? No. 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 <laughs> because we're all, I think that we're all ill-equipped to do it. I mean, I... To change, to lead change. Both. I think if we are we're well-equipped to lead the change. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking in more general terms. And I think some people are wired for it and some people aren't. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, there's like a certain type of person that, that is, and by the way, those are the types of people normally that you look for within the organization to help you drive it, but you have to look for them and they're few and far between. Um, they're the people that inspire people, they're the people that motivate people, they're the people that 
yes. lead by example. Yes. They're the people that speak up in if they don't agree with something in a respectful way. They're the people that are authoritative, not authoritarian. They're the people that you know that those are the types of people that are comfortable driving change that you want on your team doing it, but. But that's a certain breed of individual. Right. It's not. So it's interesting, I think, how like we so quickly evolved to a conversation mm-hmm. about personality traits right. as it relates to change management and you know just change overall, right? Because I really think that's probably at the heart of it is having somebody who embraces it, but somebody who's not threatened by it. I think that's a big thing because you kind of alluded to this a second ago by saying that you almost have to acknowledge that something needs to be changed. Right. That's another really good point too, in a big organization, right? Because we work with enterprise organizations. I think also being the person that drives change means that you have accountability to the results. Yes. And I think that's also very scary for certain people because, and it's not that they don't believe in what you're doing, but believing in something and then standing up and taking accountability for it is the difference between standing up for your rights and jumping in front of a bullet for, you know, for somebody or, or jumping on top of the grenade in, in the field or whatever it might be. It's a completely different motion. But especially in our industry, like meaning like marketing, right? Where being held accountable and having the ability to track the results is kind of new. Oh, yeah. Again, not for us inside of the new industry. Right. For a lot of... Most organizations yes. we engage with. Yes. It is, yeah. Is it, do you see that it tends to be a certain title or a certain they have a certain role in the organization or you know does change come from the top or I think so I think it, you have to I think you the person leading the project doesn't necessarily have to be the person leading like the change management work stream in my opinion because to your point the personality may not fit right I think you have to look I think it's more important to look for the right personality or the person that has the right relationships within the organization who could truly be that champion. Agree. And I think there's, I think that it's not, I want to, one nuance is I don't think it's a person. It's a team. It's a team. No one person can lead change management. That in and of itself is a failure, right? I think that you need to have representation across functions, across departments, across levels within the organization, right? Because People at the top, when you get them involved in the change management, are going to uh, drive the message. And then people are going to drive authenticity and peer. People want to see their peers following and doing whatever at the bottom in the trenches. So you have to have people, I think, through the different layers of the organization to make it really successful. I don't think that you definitely can't have it be only leadership. That's for sure. There needs that authenticity, you know, of the of the peers of, down the trenches in the field and whatever you want to call it, right? But it's just, it's my people. Yeah. It's not just somebody at the top telling me, oh, it's going to be great. There's an authenticity to it when it's down in the trenches. Is there risk with having that many people involved? Keeping them all aligned and on the same page and driven towards the same goals? Okay, that's what change management is. Yeah. Just managing the risk and, yeah, and keeping it's, everybody. It's... What does the community, what, what does internal communications need to look like? How often do we need to meet? It's those kinds of things that you have to think through, right? First of all, who's the team for the change management, right? How are we going to make sure we're all aligned, right? Meetings, communications. Also, then how do we, how does that permeate, to Jessica's point, down, you know, through all levels of the organization? Yeah, and I think, you know, speaking from like a client perspective, it's, <clears throat> I think really important to have that. It's like having a personal trainer to take that group of people 
and and really help drive that. I mean, yes, you need your internal champion, you need everybody on board, but I think that it, it can be really hard to do it yourself, mm-hmm. right? To have the discipline to make it all happen. And that's where I think it's really important to have somebody holding you accountable for that and you know, pushing along the way. Because what I've noticed is when, if the change is just happening within the organization and you have no external force, I feel like it's more likely to fail <laughs> because it's you get lazy or you get sidetracked. Um, but when you have that external um, presence, that thing that's like pushing you and questioning you and um, you know, making it a priority, I think it really helps organizations. And I think it becomes more of a priority. It feels like an ally. Um, it feels like you've got, especially if you're the champion, which I was, um, it's like, you've got like people behind you, you know, like pushing you and, and, and you're, you're like, okay, safety in numbers, right? I've got all these brilliant minds behind me that have done this a million times. And um, now I can take all that knowledge and and help facilitate the change that's needed. So it's, I think it's imperative. Let me ask you a question about that. So recently, so we've, we've seen, we've seen change initiatives that have done really well. We've seen ones that have failed, obviously. Um, I have found that regardless of somebody being behind you and partnering, whatever, in my personal experience with the clients I've managed, I have found that a key piece of it, even though we may be the drivers, is that the initiative is still branded as an internal initiative, that it's not the annuitous transformation. It's not the, you know, but it's the client X project. So when we're socializing it, when we're spreading the, the gospel, the good word across the organization, that the people that are, we may, we may write the script, we may do all of the key motions, but it's being delivered, managed, and branded as an internal initiative. And that's where we've seen it succeed yeah. because it, it's born out of the business Then it's not, and they have to own it long-term. And what happens when we go away, they don't own it. Is there a formula or a framework or a discrete set of steps that one can take to improve their chances of success? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the one of the first steps is that you need to identify the individuals that are going to be successful in partnering to drive that change. And you have to be meaningful about it. You have to ask tough questions to people. One of the things in our interview process that I always find that's really helpful to identify those people is asking every person that we interview why is this going to succeed and why is this going to fail? And who across the organization inspires you? Who do you think is going to be a blocker to this? These are research interviews she's talking about. In our strategy phase, up front, the internal interview process. Talk through um, challenges and trends in the marketplace, uh, decision-making process. Uh, right. But one of them is internal points of friction that may be inhibiting growth or maybe inhibiting... Most of the time, it's focused on sales and marketing, but... We've lately been expanding to talk about the entire organization because people don't realize that there are always, that's another thing too, people don't realize we always focus on the actual initiative at hand, but I think you have to think about on a broader scale, right, what are the rest of the things going on in the organization that potentially are competing for attention? Um, or my, or may, um, it could derail. Uh, yeah. Or, or, and, and sales, unfortunately ends up being the, the, 
you know, the butt end of that a lot of times, right? People, oh, we're launching a new CPQ system. Oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. Oh, but it's going to help them. So it's not a big deal. Well, no, it means that there are, IT is is implementing something that's going to impact and make them uncomfortable with change. Uh, sales and marketing is impacting something that's going to make them uncomfortable with change. All of these different places, and because they're doing it in silos, they don't know about, like you said, the purple, all the different things going on, and the aggregate of that and the impact that has on somebody's ability to do a job. Especially if you're working, I think that becomes particularly important if you're working with a business unit some kind of division within a bigger company because the peripheral things are more likely to kind of take over, right, the attention. A corporate can say, deprioritize that. I need everybody focused on this. Right, right, exactly. But, going, but yeah, so going back to it, it's identify the individuals that are going to help you drive change for sure is, is step one. Truly drive change and make sure you have ad adequate representation, like I said, throughout the striation of the organization in, in all different, right? Horizontal, vertical, everything, I would say. I think there's two other things I would add. One is to really know the motivation behind it, like what's really driving it when you really just peel and peel and peel and peel away. Because yeah. you're going to have to keep coming back to that. Anytime you start going off and, and you know getting distracted by this or that, you keep coming back to that. And also painting a very clear picture of what the future looks like. What's the post-change world gonna look like? Be crystal clear on that so that you can you know, get there. So, and everybody has to have that same picture. They all have to share the same vision for what it looks like. So in that future state, know the motivation. I think that it's really important to recognize that change management doesn't have an end. It's something that needs to be woven into the fabric of what you do. And it, and even once you launch, even continuing for an extended period of time to make sure that it sticks. Well, but also identifying issues or potential issues fast and getting out in front of them and having a communication plan around that. As well. Absolutely. I feel like that's where a lot of change management falls apart. I mean, uh, most organizations, let's face it, do a really crappy job of communicating. They just do. You have to just over communicate and so many organizations under communicate and I just there's no way that change management will be effective if there's not the communication piece but somehow I feel like that's not always a priority so what do you do when you do have surprises or somebody suddenly veers off track and they're no longer on board with this idea are there ways to overcome that you know i would say the most frequent instance of something like that happens when all of a sudden there's someone who has a say who hasn't been through the whole process with this and doesn't understand what we're doing and they want to put their own mark on it human nature and it's it's tough and i mean honestly sometimes it will derail the direction that we're headed it's all about building that relationship Ironically, it's also an indicator if you're not finding out about change, that that's going to be at the shot over the bow that you have concerns about the, the success of the program. Right. I have to have a really, really good relationship with your primary point of contact, whoever the person, the internal driver is for the project. If you do not have a really close relationship with them, like you said, with that trust and it's a true partnership, and they don't think of you as that partner, you're not going to be top of mind. I can think of a client recently that is no longer a client of ours that all the time were surprises, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I finally was like, you know, these are things we need to know. These are things that, that impact. Oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I didn't think about, yeah. I didn't think about it that way. I didn't think about, you know, it's, it's that kind of versus another client we've had for 
four years that's like, hey, just a heads up. I don't know if this is relevant or not, but just wanted to make you aware. And then we talk through it and how we could either leverage it or how it may impact things. And so that that's a partnership. They understand that we're looking out for them and that they need transparency in the relationship to be able to be successful. So it starts there too. Like the buck starts and stops with the with the partnership of whoever that primary person is that you yeah. have with the client. I've got a question for everybody I think would be interesting, an interesting take on all of it to take it in a different direction. How do you think that the that COVID has impacted change management? I guess my reaction to that question would be, I think people have gone maybe one direction or the other. I think there have been businesses that recognize they had to pivot. They had to pivot quickly. And then perhaps there, there's the other, the opposite end of the spectrum of people with so much unpredictability going on in the world and so much fear and uncertainty that they grasped on to even more. I agree with you a hundred percent. I also think that when you think about employees now returning to air quotes, back to normal, because there is no back to normal, right? So whatever the new normal is defined as, I don't think we've actually landed on that yet. But I think that because of this experience that people are expecting different things from organizations like yeah. they work for yeah. and potentially internally driving change that way. And I wonder how that's going to impact our ability to change, to, to drive change within organizations with transformation projects and things like that. Understanding that people are already internally driving, trying to push and drive and mold and reform and reshape the organizations for the new yeah. post-pandemic state. I don't know whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I just... I think people also right now are super risk adverse. So I'm, I'm wondering too, if people are going to be more resistant to broader scale change and then looking for things more incremental to make it more tolerable. I don't know the answer. I just, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of organizations, I think COVID like magnified the need for change in many areas. Definitely the long-term impact of that would be positive. I think it will never ignore your existing customers. I think it will be. Yep. I think people are finally starting to, it brought that to the surface, which is sometimes I think the most uncomfortable type of change when it's, it suddenly feels really urgent. It suddenly feels like, oh God, this is really a priority now. It's, I think it makes people a little more uneasy than just, oh, here's this great change that we can make and there's not the sense of urgency behind it. I think it's added stress when it's really an urgent thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Demanding Growth. For more resources and materials, head on over to annuitus.com.